Hello and welcome to Brain to Board. About a week ago, maybe a little bit more, I decided to start designing a board game. Now, I've decided to start this podcast to document the thinking behind the game itself and the process of actually getting it out into the world. Well, hopefully if I get that far. If you're an aspiring board game designer as I am, perhaps this will be helpful to you. Or perhaps not. It's hard to say at this point. I haven't looked too far past the design phase of board game production yet, but from the cursory glance I've taken, the road to actually making a board game is quite an involved process. If nothing else, perhaps this podcast will be a window into that experience, so you can decide if it's something that you want to do. Today I'll be talking mostly about my game, so not too much of the more general production stuff, just my specific game, what it started as, what it is now, and my plans for playtesting and development. Without further ado, on to episode one. All throughout my life, I've sort of created little games here and there, just for, like, my family to play and whatnot, but I've never tried to make anything that actually, like, I would take to market or anything like that, you know, because I'm just now getting to the point where I'm sort of old enough for people to take me seriously if I want to do something like that, and also just having, you know, the life experience and stuff to deal with those sort of situations and know what actually is involved with doing that. The inspiration for this particular board game that I have started designing came from playing a lot of Pandemic recently. Now... Pandemic, you probably know what it is if you're into board games at all. It's a collaborative game where you try to save the world from a bunch of diseases that are spreading. Really fun, it's really well designed, it only has sort of like one big problem, which is that one player can kind of take over the whole game and like make decisions for other players, but as long as you're playing with a good group of people, that doesn't really become a problem. And anyway, I've just been playing a ton of this recently. Just got a new expansion for it, all sorts of stuff, and it got me thinking. I wanted to have another collaborative game just to play. I wasn't at this point thinking of trying to create my own, but I started looking around and looking at my options for collaborative games, and I wasn't really seeing that much that I liked. Like, I've played Forbidden Island, which is another very similar kind of, uh, it has a lot of similar pandemic-like mechanics, and it's a good game, but it's a little bit simple. It got a little bit boring for me after a while. And then a lot of the other games, they didn't look sort of similar enough to Pandemic, not that I wanted to just have another Pandemic to play, but I wanted something that was sort of in the same vein and had sort of similar strategy, and I didn't really see anything like that. Now, there probably is something out there like that, but I don't know what it is. So, that's when I started thinking, what if I just make it myself? My original ideas for this game were pretty far off from what it looks like now. Like, before I even got to what I would call now a version 1 of the game, I just had this idea that it should be a mystery game. That would add sort of an element of everyone working together and not really knowing what you're doing until later. And I sort of captured that, but the way it's worked out, the mystery aspect of it has been much downplayed, and it's more of a strategy and planning game, which I think is fine. So what I settled on was sort of having this resource, or rather, not resource, but similar to how the diseases and pandemic spread, having the ability to spread this thing onto the board, represented by little cubes like how the diseases are in Pandemic. And I know I'm drawing a lot of parallels to Pandemic right now, but trust me, it doesn't play anything like it. Or, well, it does a little bit, but it doesn't play that much like it. But you have these little cubes on the board, and those represent the character's suspicion of you. So it's like you are going into this place, people are getting suspicious of you, and your ultimate goal is to infiltrate and try to kill someone. That was the original idea, like you're a spy. So sort of going away from the murder mystery sort of theme and going into more of a spy theme. So now you you and the other players are spies infiltrating this building. 
Uh, and pretty quickly, I settled on another aspect of the theme, which is in addition to being a spy game, it's also a fantasy game. Uh, I wanted that just because it would give me more freedom with what I would allow your characters to do. So you could have like teleportation and stuff with magic and uh, it just seemed cooler to me. I'm also a big fan of that genre, so it made sense for me. So I sort of have like the theme of the game now in broad strokes and a little bit of the mechanic of placing down other characters' suspicion of you. And then I started developing it further into a more focused idea. So I was thinking much bigger at first, and then I realized that setup for this game would be just ridiculous. I was thinking there would be like 50 characters inside this castle or something, and you would go through and have to figure out which one is the person you're supposed to kill. That was way too ambitious. You're never going to play a game with 50 characters that you have to eliminate just by process of elimination, because it's not like I can give you clues. Like, the players playing this game, they have to set it up, so there's no way to set up a game yourself and not know what's going on if you're also planting all the clues, or if there is a way to do that, it would take way too long to set up. So I narrowed it down to just 20 characters. There are 20 characters organized into four different rooms of five. And to make things work out a little bit better, instead of just having one person you're trying to kill, there are four. One in each room. This was all in service of making the game easy to set up, because with five cards, it's easy to randomize one card to be special in some way and not and have it, no one know what it is just sort of by passing the deck around and having each person do different things to it so that no one knows the full permutation of the deck. I'm not going to go into that in a lot of detail but just trust me that it works out better with a smaller deck and having multiple of them. So now I was basically ready to move on to the first version of my game. You had four rooms, each one had one what I was calling the wizard and I still call him that. You've got these wizards who are trying to who have basically infiltrated the castle disguised as random people working there. You are also going in as people working there, and you're trying to take out those wizards and reclaim the castle. That's the idea of the whole game. So you've got these four rooms. Each of them has one wizard, and the rest of the people are neutral players, or your, some of them are your allies. You don't know who your allies are, but you'll, you can sort of discover them along the way. Each turn you take two actions. You can either investigate the room, you can kill someone, uh, things like that, and then... If the wizards get suspicious of you, your card will be thrown into a suspicion pile, or the suspect's pile. Then, every once in a while, based on drawing cards, the wizards will kill someone from that pile randomly. But I realized early on that if it was just you being thrown into that pile and then having to like get other suspects in there to sort of pad it out to protect yourself, I figured that wasn't going to work. So I created the idea of a top suspect pile, where you could do certain actions to sort of frame people in the castle, elevate them up to a top suspect level, and then from there the wizards would kill them first. That gives you a buffer where you can guarantee that you'll be safe as long as you have that buffer. So with all this in mind, I created the first version of the game. And this is where I think this could be useful for anyone designing it, is the process I'm taking to make the game better. After the very first playtest, it was just sort of to get an idea of if the game was functional at all, and it was, fortunately, but it was way too random. The difficulty seemed about right, like it got to the very end, kinda, and then just had one last dice roll to see if we won, and yeah, we lost, and it didn't feel very like satisfying, or it didn't feel like we deserved to lose, so I, I recognized right away that this game was just too random. There's too much random chance, too much card drawing. I needed to add more control to the players because you were just drawing from decks to like see who witnessed you and who became suspicious of you. And it was all just completely random, so there was no way to really plan out what you're doing. You just kind of had to hope. 
I played this first attempt with my girlfriend just to see what she thought of the basic premise. And she pointed out that the game was also possible to stall. You could basically just move around through rooms and the game wouldn't progress at all. It wouldn't get any harder. It wouldn't get any easier. So you could basically stall as long as you wanted. And I felt like there needed to be something pushing you to move on. So with all this in mind, I moved on to version 2, which was way too easy. You see, I was trying to give the players more control so that you could actually create some strategy. And by doing this, I revealed certain cards at certain times and changed the system of powers for characters so that instead of everyone having sort of like the same general abilities they could do, different characters had different special powers they can use. And while these definitely totally worked to give the players more control over the game, it made it so that it was just incredibly easy. You had these special powers you could use, which were way overpowered for the difficulty of the game. And you could like go into one room figure out who the wizard was there, kill him, then move on to the next room and just go one by one through the room. So it was really like you're playing this one really simple, really basic game over and over again with no depth of strategy, no tactics. It was just way too easy, but I had fixed the one problem of it. It felt like you were controlling the game at all times. So if something did go wrong, it was your fault. Um, another, a couple of other minor problems with this were more thematic. For instance, you could kill your own allies and have no problem with that. Like, what the heck? Like, you can just kill them. No problem, yeah, there's no penalty at all. Uh, so that was that was, a, that was a bit of a problem. The other thing was there was a thematic problem. Like, the idea was these wizards were going in and corrupting these people. But then, along the way, sort of like a key element of strategy was just killing people and hoping they're the wizard. Uh, and that was kind of a problem, because it was like you're just killing these neutral people when you're supposed to be the one saving them. So, yeah, that wasn't ideal. Had to fix those. So we move on to version 3 of the game. Or at least what I'm calling version 3, I wasn't really thinking of it at the time, but in retrospect, these are sort of the general version numbers. So version 3, it was still a little bit too easy. Uh, I could win most of the time, and it had a couple other problems. So I increased the difficulty a bit by adding a constant placement um, rule, so every turn characters get a little bit more suspicious of you, like no matter what. And that also helped to fix the stalling issue, so you can't just stall because every turn it's going to get a little bit harder. It's just a tiny bit, but it's enough to really keep you moving. And another thing that fixed the stalling was in each room I added a little counter, and that would count down. And if it hit a certain level, then suddenly everyone would become very suspicious of you. Now, thematically, I justified that by, like, the story of the game is that you are infiltrating this castle because you're, like, the cleaners or something. And you have these jobs to perform in each area, and if you don't perform those jobs, it becomes a little bit suspicious, because it's like, why are you even here? Uh, and you're doing all this other stuff, so of course that would be suspicious. So you have to complete your jobs on time. I had to fine-tune that a bit, because if it was if the jobs had to be done too often, it just felt like you were sort of playing a repetitive game of just menial tasks, and that's no fun. So I had to fix that, but... Once that was fine-tuned a bit to the proper level, it wasn't really bad at all. And it fixed the stalling, so you can no longer stall. Also added a rule where you can only move once per turn, so you have to take some actual actions that have some actual risk every single turn. I increased the turn count from two each turn to three, giving players even more control, but also forcing them to take more risks. And then those room counters ensured that you have to move around the board to reset rooms, so you can't just take on one room at a time. I think those room counters were probably my favorite mechanical fix I've done, in that they solved a lot of problems at once. For one thing, they made the game more difficult. They made it so that you couldn't just stay in one area of the map. They made it so that you can't stall. They worked into the theme, 
and they made it so that there was a bit more strategy and long-term thinking you had to do to deal with these things. So that sort of dealt with like five major aspects, major problems, and just one mechanic being added to the game. The constant placement of adding suspicion every turn also helped with that, and also made it so that actually moving around to these different rooms had some weight to it, because every time you move to a room, that means that room's going to get a little bit harder for the future, so you want to kind of try to reset these things as little as possible, so you want to try to always kind of be waiting till the last moment. And overall, the game felt a lot more like a like an actual game, really, rather than just sort of watching this like super obvious game of random chance unfold in front of you. As far as fixing the thematic problems of killing your allies and stuff, I changed it so that if you kill your allies, then everything that happens in the room becomes a lot harder. Basically, you can't investigate as easily. It'll add more suspicion. Every turn, you'll be adding more suspicion. If you kill someone, it adds more suspicion. So if your allies aren't there to calm down the other characters, everything you do becomes more suspicious. And I think that makes sense thematically, and it also is a very big disincentive to killing your allies, so you have to be careful about that. As far as the problem of killing neutral characters, well, there's a really easy fix to that. Now, instead of just the wizards having come in and infiltrated, they've brought with them their minions. So everyone in the castle is either a wizard, a minion of those wizards, or one of your allies. So you can kill off those minions all you want. No problem. No moral dilemma at all. (laughs) You know, if you ever have a problem where you're just, like, killing too many innocent people, just the simple fix is just to make them evil, or at least make yourself think that they're evil. Um, It's a little bit like being a dictator of a country. If you can convince people that you're killing evil people, it's it's all right. You know, that's just how it works. So this was version 3 of the game. Overall, a much more functional game. It was actually kind of fun. You had to use some strategy and some tactics to beat it. Uh, It was still a little bit too easy. You could beat it most of the time. And... It was a little bit too predictable, so I want I had wanted to give the players more control, which I did, but it was too predictable. It was, you can just see too much in advance, so you're almost never surprised by anything. You might have had a strategic failure that means that something doesn't work out in the end, but when it doesn't work out, you can see it coming from a mile away. You're like, oh man, I should have done this earlier. So it sort of misses that excitement of, like, you could get a bad draw that just makes things a lot harder for you, or sometimes things will work out. And Like, I, I like the randomness, even though you don't want the whole game to be really random. Uh, in, in a cooperative, collaborative game like this, there needs to be some randomness to keep you on your toes and make it so that it's not boring. Uh, so that takes us to now, and I have a version of the game that I haven't actually tested yet, but I've tried to address these problems the best I can. Had to make it a little bit harder. And I couldn't really think of any good ways to make small, like, tweaks to the game to make it harder. So I made a large change that should make the game a lot harder. I added a mechanic called the ritual. Basically, if you take too long, and if you let too much happen without sort of keeping it in check, the wizards will perform a ritual and forever convert the king to their evil ways, and you'll never be able to fix it. So even if you kill them all, it won't matter, so you'll lose if they manage to complete this ritual. That was the thematic justification for it. The way it worked mechanically is that every once in a while, based on these cards you're already drawing, I just added a card into those, where if you draw it, it adds one ritual piece to the board, and if three of those are ever on the board, the game immediately ends, pretty much. So that should make it a lot harder, and the only way to get rid of those is by killing the people holding them, so it really makes it that you have to take a lot more risks uh, in order to make the game work, which is going to make things less predictable, because sometimes you're not going to know the outcome of those risks. And overall, I think it'll make the game much, much harder. I, probably way too hard, actually, so I had to back off on these other things. So I also wanted to 
it wasn't really a problem with the game, but I wanted to do it was I wanted to make the areas in the game differentiated so it wasn't so it would kind of make the game feel more like realistic or more alive kind of just less boring. So the four different areas are the courtyard where there's like various entertainer type people. There's the kitchen, there's the training grounds which is like military type people, and there's the garden which has, you know, gardeners and stuff. So I wanted to add something to each of these areas that was different, but overall made the game easier. So in the garden, for instance, I just increased the job counter so that that thing that was ticking down where you had to do the job there, and if you didn't do it in time, bad things would happen. Garden, it's a nice relaxed area. It's got a lot of people working on it. So that is a, takes a lot longer. You don't have to go there as often, and that makes the game easier. The kitchen... You know, it's a really busy place, um, so it's easy to distract people, so you can actually, you have a, there's normally a mechanic that you can do as an action where you can sort of like cycle the witnesses, like who's going to see you doing these things and who's going to get suspicion. You can sort of cycle those normally as an action. Well, in the kitchen, you can do that actually for free once per turn, so you don't even have to spend an action on it, so that should make the game a lot easier too. You can control what you're doing in the kitchen more by easily distracting people. Uh, and then in the courtyard where all these people are entertainers and actors, normally you can just like, you can frame someone kind of to, or well, I call it spreading rumors, where you move them into the suspects, sort of, you know, to pad it out. If you end up as a suspect, you want to have some other people in there to protect yourself. But in the courtyard, you know, with all these entertainer type people, they can't help but spread rumors even more. So when you spread rumors, it adds them right up to the top suspects to give you that like sure thing padding. So that also should make the game much easier. Then in the training grounds, everyone has weapons and stuff, so obviously you can kill people more easily there. First time you kill someone, it makes people way less suspicious, because you can make it look like an accident. That's the idea, at least. Now, these changes, I kind of just made them in the blind, because I realized I needed to lower the difficulty. Because it was like, I'm, okay, the game's too easy. I'm going to make it way harder, and then make these other changes that make the game more sort of flavorful and interesting, but they make it much easier. So I'm not really sure where I've landed on that difficulty spectrum. Could be still too easy, could be a little too hard now. I'm going to have to fine-tune that. But in any case, the game has more layers of interest and more layers of strategy, so that's all good. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of fine-tuning the difficulty now, and I have ways to fine-tune it. So I'll keep you updated on that in future episodes. Now, I have no idea if this was at all interesting to you listening. We kind of got to where I'm at now in the in the whole process here. Uh, for sure, in future episodes, there will be stuff about, like, when I actually start making the game and, like, creating versions of Playtest, what websites I'm using, what apps, all that sort of stuff. We're going to get into more of the technical stuff. But for now, I just wanted to lay down the basics of what my game is, what I'm trying to create here, um, what sort of the final goal is or what sort of the vision is for this final product and how we're going to get there so we can see how much has changed. And, you know, even if no one out there listens to this, I'm going to keep making it for myself because it's a way for me to keep a record of this whole process and I want to be able to look back on it. So if you've enjoyed hearing me talk about this, uh, you can let me know. I've got an email address for the podcast. It's just called uh, braintoboard at gmail.com. Pretty simple. You can send me an email. If there is enough interest in this, you know, we'll find other ways to create interaction like community interaction whatever i don't know i've been doing other stuff with like other podcast youtube channels so uh I'll, we'll figure something out to deal with that if this does become more popular not really expecting it to but hey you never know 
So let me know if you have any questions, if there's anything you want me to talk about, uh, any specific mechanics of the game I can go into in more detail. I don't, don't want to get too specific because I feel like it'll be boring and also it's hard to explain without visual references, but uh, I, I'm just giving more of an overview of the process here. So I will check back in in maybe a week or two. I haven't really decided on a schedule yet, uh, but when I do, I'll let you know what it is. Until then, this has been Andrew Nathanson from Brain to Board. I don't know why I said it like that. It makes it sound more official or something. Anyway, uh, talk to you. Talk to you in a bit.